This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's axiomatic that defense spending will get cut with a Democratic Congress and a White House, right? Well, not so fast. Democratic leadership this time seems to be moving gingerly. For more on this and what else contractors should keep in mind, we turn to federal sales and marketing consultant Larry Allen. And Larry, you're seeing signs from the Democratic leadership in the Armed Services Committee that are saying, well, you know, maybe not so much to cut to pay for other priorities. That's exactly right, Tom. And I think there are a couple of reasons for that. Last week, we saw Senator Jack Reed, the head of the Senate Armed Services Committee, publicly saying that he doesn't believe that there are going to be a lot of deep defense cuts on his side of the Congress. That kind of echoes statements made just about a month or two ago by his counterpart in the House, Congressman Smith from Washington, who was saying that, You know, the reports of deep defense cuts and resultant money uh, coming from them are greatly exaggerated. And I think that there are a couple of reasons for that. One is that we're in a national security standpoint right now where neither party really wants to be perceived as the one that cuts spending and potentially giving an edge to the Chinese or Russians or other adversaries. So, you know, we, we want to remain overall strong on defense and strong defense posture. The other thing that I think was coming from Reed's comments was political reality, Tom. What I mean by that is, look, you have a 50-50 Senate and a House that I think the Democrats have a majority in only nine seats. The political reality is that uh, there aren't going to be votes to substantially reduce defense spending. Uh, So you're just not going to be able to do it. When you do a good job like the defense industry does of spreading projects across multiple states and hundreds of congressional districts, everybody's got uh, jobs that uh, this sector provides in the local economies. And that's another factor. So uh, I'm not expecting defense spending to rise. In fact, everybody, including the Pentagon, Tom, has said that They kind of expect defense spending to flatten out, but overall, I think most contractors would take flatter defense budgets over 5, 10, or even deeper percentage of cuts. Uh, And if you plan accordingly, it's still a good market. Yes, if they do anything, it'll probably be a review of the fourth estate and looking for fat in headquarters and so forth, pretty much what every administration does. Right, right. And we've certainly seen some of that signaling come from members of Congress, specifically on the fourth estate. We'll have to see uh, if any further cuts are made there. Uh, DOD got a big whack uh, in the fourth estate a couple of years ago. I'm not sure that uh, everything is, all the dust is settled on that, uh, but it's certainly something that people like to look at every now and then. We'll call it the three and a half estate by the time they're done with it. I want to talk for a minute about the string of executive orders that have come from the Biden administration. It looks dramatic, the big stack of fancy leather folders and all those pens. But without rulemaking, a lot of these executive orders don't have a lot of bite, at least on the contracting end, do they? Uh, At least not yet, Tom. Uh, There's been, as you noted, a proliferation of executive orders on issues that both affect government contracting and broader issues. These actions were entirely expected when the Biden people telegraphed it before they even came into office. And indeed, we've had uh, several that impact government contracting. 
The Made in America one that translates into the Buy American Act has certainly been the one, Tom, I think that's gotten the most attention. But more recently, we've had two come out on supply chain, one of which uh, deals a little bit more closely with contractors in the government, one of which was more general to the national supply chain, but still has implications for contractors. And we've had at least one executive order come out talking about wage rates, which is Service Contract Act and Davis-Bacon. So that definitely can impact service providers. The confusion, I think, comes on the fact that all these executive orders, now that they're out there, people are going around, well, what, what, how do we do this? And when do we do this? And you know, what am I going to have to change about my business? And what I'm telling people is slow down. We don't know yet. The Biden administration, like virtually every other administration before it, came in and put a moratorium on the issuance of new regulations. This time around, Tom, that moratorium expires in about three weeks, the 20th of March. So we won't really see any new regulations that impact government contracting that come out until at least that time. Uh, even after that time, if you're going to see something that is general that the FAR Council puts out or something that encompasses all DOD contracts, doing regulations is a process and you have to take uh, the words of the executive order and sometimes do a lot of reading between the lines to get at the intent before you can issue a rule. So I'm telling companies, you have to understand what these executive orders are and what they could do to your business, but the ultimate impact is we don't know yet. We're speaking with Larry Allen, president of Allen Federal Business Partners. And another thing we don't know yet about is the possible use, as you're writing this week, on the use of the False Claims Act as a way to enforce cybersecurity measures that are happening in other parts of the government, especially the CMMC program. Tom, the False Claims Act is the largest enforcement tool that the Department of Justice has generally to keep contractors in line on a whole host of compliance issues. And like any tool, it can be used in new and different ways. And we've seen uh, senior people from the Department of Justice speak publicly over the last couple of weeks saying, we are in fact going to use this tool, the False Claims Act, to go after contractors who we perceive have not uh, really complied with their cybersecurity requirements who have not complied with the new coming to a contract near you, CMMC requirements. So what I'm trying to get readers to think about and listeners to think about, Tom, is False Claims Act traditionally thought about maybe whistleblowers, something that I did to you know, not comply with, say, a pricing term in my contract or maybe a, a, an origin, country of origin issue in my contract. But the False Claims Act deployment goes well beyond that, and it's going to go into areas like cybersecurity. So as contractors go through new certifications and make new uh, certifications that say, yes, we're cybersecure, we meet the standard. Yes, we are CMMC secure and meet the standard. You better make sure that that's true, because if it isn't, the False Claims Act is a powerful tool that the Department of Justice can use to penalize you and really up to three times the monetary damages that the government thinks that they incurred. And for your trouble, after all of that, you usually end up in front of a suspension or debarment official, and you certainly don't want that. 
In fact, you cite Acting Assistant Attorney General Brian Boynton actually said as much to the Federal Bar Association, which had a key TAM conference, key TAM meaning the uh, type of settlement in which a portion goes to the person who originally raised the issue. The whistleblower gets that money under key TAM out loud saying this. So it's, it's not just a theoretical, but it sounds like this is what the Justice Department actually has in mind. Well, I really like to thank the Assistant Attorney General, Tom, for echoing words that I wrote a couple of weeks ago when I talked about this in one of my newsletters. I was speaking specifically to solar winds. And while we haven't seen anything directly materialize in relationship to False Claims Act cases over the solar wind scandal, my general point was a good one, and that is the False Claims Act could be used for that type of an issue Just because it's not a classic way that the act is used doesn't mean the act doesn't have that type of reach. As I wrote that and sent out that that newsletter, Tom, I felt eyes rolling all over the beltway saying, oh, yeah, Alan, what do you know? The Department of Justice would never use the False Claims Act. Some people think I'm an awfulizer. Well, it was very nice of the assistant attorney general to say I'm not an awfulizer, that this is exact what the Department of Justice is thinking. So it's not just me saying it. It's the people who control how they use the False Claims Act saying it, which is why contractors need to pay attention. Larry Allen is president of Allen Federal Business Partners. Thanks so much. Tom, thank you, and I wish your listeners happy selling. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.